Welcome to the Beholding Christ podcast, where our aim will be to discuss how we can behold the glory of Christ throughout the entirety of Scripture, both in the Old and New Testaments, and in the world in which we live. For from Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 4 of the Beholding Christ podcast. My name is Justin, and I'll be your host today. This episode will be more focused on application than previous episodes. I want to continue to build on what we've discussed in the first three episodes, and then, in more detail than a few passing comments at the end, show how Christ's fulfilling of the Old Testament should be a great and emboldening comfort to us, particularly in our prayers. And our focus today will be on praying the Psalms. I think a lot of believers struggle with whether or not they can tell God what's really on their minds. They pad their prayers with certain phrases after being slightly honest with God, because they don't know if they can really be that honest with him. The correlation between the New Testament and the Psalms show us that we can, that we can have boldness and confidence before the Lord and voice our concerns. The New Testament, especially the epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and so on, constantly refers to believers as being, quote, in Christ. Our identity is wrapped up in him completely. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We are Christ's body and his bride. We belong to him, and we are his. Because of that, we should have boldness with the Father. In fact, we're commanded to do so. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. We can uh, receive mercy on grace and help in time of need. Philippians 4.5-7 says, In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17-18 says to pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. After all, we are his children, as Romans 8, 15-17 says, because he is our Father. Now, this may be off-putting for those who have not had a present or loving earthly father. To those of you who understand what that's like, I want to say two things. One, In all the ways your earthly father has been absent or unloving, your heavenly father, who never changes, is near. Philippians 4, 5b. And nothing in all of the created universe can separate you from his love in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 38-39. And also I'd like to say, too, the father planned from the foundation of the world to purchase you in Christ and for Christ. Think for a few moments of the course of human history and how God Almighty, our heavenly father in Christ, according to his own will, intentionally chose you and pursued you while you were dead in your sin. And now, if you are in Christ, he has made you his son or his daughter. He is a good father. So since we are his children, and we are told in Scripture that we are in Christ, and that we can and should have boldness with him, let's apply that to the Psalms. As I will likely say every episode... Excuse me. Everything is moving to Christ and being summed up in him. Romans 11 talks about this, Colossians 1, Ephesians 1, and this includes the Psalms. The words of the Psalms are yours in Christ to use as prayer and songs to the Lord and to share with others and to do so boldly. And a little side note about sharing it with others, Ephesians 5.19 says that we're supposed to be um, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. Now, 
how does our right and our command to pray boldly to the Lord and our right in Christ to pray the Psalms to the Father relate to what we've already discussed in previous episodes, particularly regarding Psalm 1 and Psalm 2? Well, pray the words of Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 to God. While doing so, ask him to conform you to Christ, who is that blessed man from Psalm 1. Ask him to help you pay homage to the Son and submit to him as Lord, as Psalm 2 talks about. For he is the King of kings and Lord of lords and will destroy his enemies. Ask him for the boldness to disciple the nations and teach them obedience to Christ, as we are commanded by Christ himself in Matthew 28, 18-20. For, as Psalm 2 says, all nations will be under Christ's feet, and we should desire, as a psalmist does, to call the nations to obedience to Christ. For the righteous who are only righteous because of Christ, will be standing with him at the end. But the unrighteous will endure the wrath of the Son forever. Now, there are other connections, of course, um, in, between Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 and our right to pray them. And um, But I'll, I'll leave Psalm 1 and 2 for now so we can discuss other psalms and how to pray them boldly for Christ. Um, the following sections, I guess, if you will, the following categories of psalms or various kinds of psalms that I'd encourage you to pray boldly and pray them often, if not daily. Uh, we'll, look at, we'll look at a few of these more closely in just a moment after I list out the different categories of psalms. Uh, for instance, psalms of praise. Pray those boldly. Psalms 145 through 150 are great psalms of praise that you can visit and offer up to the Lord as just straight praise for who he is. Even psalms of judgment. Um, Psalm 69, for instance, some, some things you'll read in there, David is, is surrounded by his enemies and he's got yeah, them all around him and they're doing, you know, they've done awful things to him and he's suffering and he's calling for judgment, the judgment of God. Now, we, some people have problems with this because of, you know, Christ, we're supposed to love what Christ says, we're supposed to love our enemies. Um, this, Psalm 69 and Psalms of judgment are not in contradiction to that. We are supposed to love our enemies. Um, as we read those psalms, we read about the judgment of God um, on them. As you are praying through Psalm 69, pray the Lord would draw his enemies to himself. Pray the Lord would would save them. And then also praise him and thank him for the fact that he is just and he is righteous and he will put his enemies, as Psalm 2 and Psalm 110 talk about, um, they are being subjected to Christ. They are being put under his feet. Um, and so... Don't don't shy away from even praying the Psalms of Judgment in Psalm 69, um, because as we talked about last or the past two episodes, or particularly, excuse me, the last episode um, with Psalm 2, Christ will have victory over his enemies, and that is a good thing. But in the meantime, while his enemies are still alive, let us pray for them, let us love them, uh, let us show them um, Christ. So that way they can come to him and enjoy his presence forever instead of having to, as Psalm 2 says, being broken under the rod of iron and being shattered like earthenware. Also, there's psalms of straight preaching to yourself. Psalm 103, for instance, is a great one. We'll actually revisit that one in a moment. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. These are psalms that the psalmist literally is saying, hey, self, do these things. Hey, self, praise the Lord. Hey, self, this is what should be said because we have to keep our emotions in check. We have to keep our random thoughts about, you know, God or what's going on in the world. We have to keep them grounded. 
And so grounded in scripture, how has God revealed himself to us? And so it's good to also preach to yourself. So pray those boldly. Ask the Lord to help you if you struggle with being honest with yourself. Ask the Lord for the boldness to preach truth to yourself. Key word there is truth to yourself. Because we, we tell ourselves a lot of stuff that's not truth and grounded in, in Scripture. There's also Psalms of Repentance. Psalm 51 is um, it's a great one to frequent. One I frequent often in times of repentance. Uh, this is attributed to David after his sin with Bathsheba and um, Uriah. In it, you really you just you see his brokenheartedness, and there's a lot of comfort in there. But it's also he's also very he's also very bold in how he is approaching the Lord, in being honest about his sin, and then asking for forgiveness, understanding what an affront sin is before the Lord. And again, if you struggle with being bold, there ask the Lord to give you the boldness to confess your sins, because in Christ, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, as First John one nine says. And as David says in Psalm 51, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So as we humble ourselves before him boldly, he will, he will have mercy on us. Also, there's Psalms of lament. Also, like Psalms of when you're in despair or Psalms of, you know, weeping and crying and, you know, uh, just very emotionally down. And we'll look at actually um, two of these in a moment. Psalm 22, Psalm 13, and Psalm 88. These are great words of the psalmist being completely bold with the Lord and saying, God, this is not ideal. <laughs> I don't want to be going through this. This is really difficult. I don't know how to handle this. Those kind of things. And if you read them, some of the stuff that they say sometimes is kind of shocking uh, to the Lord. But that's, it's in there, and it's in Scripture. And even Christ himself, while he's on the cross, will quote Psalm 22, excuse me, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So don't shy away from praying these psalms because, again, they are yours in Christ. And I'll, again, we'll, we'll go through some of these that I just mentioned. Um, so I don't want to just leave you there and say good luck. Um, so I want to give special attention to the psalms of lament and preaching to yourself. As ironically, I think being honest, truly honest with God when times are difficult is a challenge for many believers. Should we just suck it up and deal with it, deal with what's going on, or should we approach difficulty in another way? The Psalms yet again help a lot here, and again, they are your words in Christ. Now, first, before I get into what I'm getting ready to talk about, we have no right to be angry with God for the things he's, he allows to come our way, and he, he plans and orchestrates to come our way. He is infinitely good and sovereign and wise and holy. And whatever comes to us is for our good of making us more conformed to Christ's image, Romans 8, 28 and 29. We quote Romans 8, 28 a lot, just saying God calls all things to work together for good. If you read Romans 8, 29, the next verse after it, It'll tell you what that good is. That good there is to make you more conformed to the image of Christ. And that's what we want as believers. So as we, as Lord allows difficult times to come into our lives, again, even though we can be bold with him and we can say these words of Psalm 22, 88 that we're getting ready to look at, <clears throat> excuse me, we do not have the right to be angry with him um, because he is God. We are not. He knows what he's doing. He's planted our days before there were any of them. He knows how to perfectly 
work everything to make us more like Christ. So when I say boldness before the Lord, I'm not equating that with angry and you can just tell him to you know, do this thing now because this is what I want and without any kind of submission to him. There has to be this submission to him because it's only in Christ that we have that boldness. And of ourselves, we would not be able to approach him with boldness. <clears throat> so praise be to God for for Christ. So I just want to make that uh, clear. I want to make a clarification before we move in to looking at some of these psalms that do say some pretty shocking things. So the first one um, look at is Psalm eighty-eight. Uh, let me just give me one moment while I turn there. This is probably the most depressing psalm in all 150 of them. If you read them, sorry, excuse me, if you read it, it literally is a psalmist just voicing his concern to the Lord. He's clearly in distress, and there doesn't seem to be, there's no resolution at the end. A lot of the psalms, there's like despair or something in it. A lot of times the psalmist might at the end say, but God rescued me. He pulled me out of the pit. You know, he delivered me from my enemies or, or what whatnot. This psalm, it just kind of leaves you with just the despair. But again, I think that's a good thing because there are times when we just we don't have much to say to the Lord other than just voicing our concerns. And we are so exhausted of energy and we, we feel so spiritually um, exhausted, to use that word again, that all we can do really is just say, God help me, or this is what's going on. I don't know how to pray, Lord please help. And just, if you're in that situation, also remember Romans 8 that tells us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Um, and He interse intercedes for us constantly according to the will of the Lord. So that, that's really, that's encouraging when you don't know how to pray. And all you can feel like is the psalmist in Psalm 88 of just saying everything is just terrible right now. Remember that the Holy Spirit is also interceding for you. So let's look briefly at Psalm 88. Uh, just we can, so we can see this language of the despair and how the psalmist does not shy away from praying these things to God. And again, if you're in Christ, you have this same right and same access to do so. So Psalm 88, O Lord, the God of my salvation. So stop there for a second and just notice, even though he's going to say all these complaints to the Lord and he's going to be, he's, he is in despair, he acknowledges who God is. Oh, Lord, the God of my salvation. He recognizes that, the God, that God is the one who can bring salvation. So that's important to take note of. Oh, Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. He, he's telling God, hey, God, listen up. <laughs> Things are not good right now. I'm crying out to you day and night. Um, please listen to what I'm saying. For my soul has had enough troubles, and my life has drawn near to Sheol. I am wrecked among those who go down to the pit. I have become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. And that's interesting. He's going to say that, God, it seems like you don't, I feel like I'm with these people that you don't even remember, that you don't regard. Which clearly he knows is not the case, because he says, you're the God of my salvation to start it off with. But he still voices that. This is how what I'm feeling like. And they are cut off from your hand. Verse 6. You have put me in the lowest pit, in dark places, in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. Salah. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. 
My eye has wasted away because of my affliction. I have called upon you every day, O Lord. I have spread out my hands to you. I mean, even to the point of he's not just crying before the Lord, he's actually physically engaging his body in this worshipful lamentation, which we should be doing. We can talk about that later. But engaging our bodies in worship is, is important. He's spreading out his hands to God and calling out to him. Verse 10, will you perform wonders for the dead? Will you, the departed spirits rise and praise you? Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will your wonders be made known in the darkness and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? So he's saying, God, are these things going to happen? Like you, you've got to rescue, rescue me here, please, because, you know, if I die, um, I mean, of course, there's other people who could proclaim the glories of the Lord and, um, and for God to show his loving kindness to. But the psalmist here is like, hey, I, I could be one of those people to proclaim your glory for you to show your steadfast love to. Verse 13, but I, O Lord, have cried out to you for help. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. And again, notice, too, his... He's being bold here, and notice his persistence in in crying out to the Lord, because um, the crying out is, is boldness in and of itself. He's not just saying "God help me" and then moving on as he's you know doing something else. No, this is, there's a lot of intentionality, and you know intentionality in the words that he's saying in this psalm. In the morning, my prayer comes before you, O Lord. Why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? That, again, that is very, very shocking if you if you think about what he's saying. But again, he, he he his theology is right because at the beginning of the psalm, he says God is the God of his salvation. His, thought, his theology is also right because he is persistently going to God day in and day out and at night and literally engaging his body in worship and crying out to the Lord, lifting up his hands. But this is what he's feeling. And so this is what he's telling God. I feel like you have rejected my soul. I feel like you're hiding yourself from me. Verse 15, I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on. I suffer your terrors. I am overcome. Your burning anger has passed over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me altogether. You have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. And then it ends. Now, in Christ, of course, we the, the wrath of God is not, you know, not, does not abide on us anymore. Um, we have peace with God. There's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. However, there can be times when we feel like God has, you know, is pouring out his wrath on us, or like I said, things are just so difficult that we feel like God has forsaken us. And so if that is the case, we can tell God that's how we're feeling. But then again, remind ourselves that he is the God of our salvation. Remind ourselves also, as we'll see in a second, that again, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. When we start with this, that's when we start preaching to ourselves. I'm getting ahead of myself now, but this I, the reason I wanted to focus on Psalm 88 is because it is so bleak. It starts off again acknowledging who God is, but then the psalmist is extremely bold in saying, "God, it feels like you've abandoned me. It feels like you're hiding your face from me. I'm crying out to you constantly, but you're not doing anything. Where are you at? Why aren't you helping me?" And, he, and then again, it just ends on that kind of sad and despairing note. And praise the Lord for this psalm, again, because it shows us that it's okay, you know, for us to voice these concerns before the Lord. Um, and sometimes it's all we can do is just say, okay, God, I have nothing else to give you but my my concerns. And you're casting your anxieties on him and you're just saying, God, here you go. I don't know how to help. I don't know how to do anything here. Please help me out. Um, and so the psalms like this are necessary when you don't have any words to say other than what you're feeling. 
Also, Psalm 22 is another great picture of despair, which sounds oxymoron, great picture of despair. But um, these were, some of these words are clearly fulfilled uh, by Christ. He himself uses the beginning of this psalm when he's on the cross. Psalm 22, 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A lot of, I would imagine that might be a familiar to a good amount of people. If not, you can see Christ um, say those words while he's on the cross in the Gospels. But, <clears throat> excuse me, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy. O oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man. And he keeps going. So notice what he's doing here. He's saying, God, it feels like you've forsaken me. Why have you forsaken me? I'm crying out to you, but you're not answering. By night, I'm not even having any rest because this is just so heavy on me. Then he says in verse 3, yet you are holy. So... David here in Psalm 22 is, again, boldly voicing his concerns before the Lord. He's saying, God, this is really awful. I am really weighed down. It feels like you've forsaken me. Day and night I'm crying out to you. What are you doing? Why aren't you helping me? But then he stops himself and he says, it's not, again, he's, he's not like he's saying, oh, I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be voicing my concerns before the Lord. But he's keeping himself in check by saying, okay, yes, I know that it feels like everything is going to... Um, Everything's going down right now, but I know that God is holy. And so I'm going to, God, you are still holy. God, I know you, what you've done for my ancestors. I know how you brought Israel through all these troubles, how you've constantly delivered her from enemies. I know you've never forsaken us. And so he is combating, he, he's wrestling here. He's saying, this is how I feel. feels like God has forget, or abandoned me. But then again, I have to keep in mind how God's track record, if you will, that he has been faithful always. So when you're boldly praying these things to him, don't shy away again from saying how you're exactly feeling. But then again, you know, rehearse with yourself God's faithfulness to you. Rehearse his faithfulness as you know it throughout scripture. Tell yourself promises from, from his word because he is infinitely faithful, infinitely true. He does not change and there's no denying himself. He does not deny himself. So he will keep his word always. And the psalmist is going to go on. I'm not going to read the whole thing in Psalm 22, but he continues on with, even though after he just said, yet you are holy, I'm going to remind myself of all of your faithfulness. I am a worm, not a man. And then he says, be not far later on, be not far from me. Trouble is near, for there's none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. They pierced my hands, but you, O Lord, be not far off. Help me, hasten to my assistance, deliver my soul. And he keeps going. So again, it's, we just have we have this boldness that the psalmist have that again you in Christ can have with the Father. And David here in Psalm twenty-two is also wrestling with saying how he's feeling, but also just saying, "Okay, God, um, I know you're still good." And then the end, toward the end of Psalm twenty-two, actually in verse twenty-two, he says, "I will tell of your name to my brethren." In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All your descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. 
And that's really interesting because um, earlier on, beginning of the psalm, it's like, God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you at? And by the end here, we see him not only praising the Lord, so to speak, but also encouraging those around him. Hey, guys, like, remember God. Remember his faithfulness. He's not going to abandon us. He's been good. Um, he's been faithful. And that's another thing, too, is really awesome is the Lord does his little side tangent. But as the Lord takes us through trials, he's so gracious in not only redeeming us and making us more like Christ through those things, redeeming them, excuse me, redeeming the trials, but in making us more like Christ through those things. But he's also very faithful to bring people into our lives that we can also talk talk to them about what he has done for us. So that way, if they're in the trial, we can share what he's taught us. So that way they can also be pointed to Christ. And so it's, it's phenomenal how he does redeem all of our afflictions. Excuse me. And now Psalm 103 is what I want, where I want to go to next. In this Psalm, there is no complaint or lament in Psalm 103. However, the whole Psalm is dedicated to preaching, you know, to ourselves. If you look at the Psalm, not one time does the Psalmist address God directly. He'll say stuff about the Lord later, but majority of the psalm is him preaching to the him preaching to himself so david in psalm 103 says bless the lord O my soul and all that's within me bless his holy name bless the lord O my soul and forget none of his benefits who pardons all your iniquities who heals all your diseases diseases who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with loving kindness and he keeps going on and he keeps talking about who god is what he's doing here is and the same David who wrote Psalm 103 is attributed to David is also the same David who wrote Psalm 22, the my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm crying out to you, but you're not doing anything. Is the one here who's saying, okay, self, this is who God is. Remember who he is. I need to bless him. I need to praise him. And this also goes into the Psalms of praise. There are times when when we do feel like just utter, utter garbage and we don't feel like God is there, but he's still worthy of worship. And there are times we have to discipline ourselves by God's grace. And we need to ask him for help with this to force ourselves to sit down and praise him because he is worthy of worship, no matter what we're going through. And so be bold there too. be like, God, I really don't feel like praising you. I don't feel like saying that you're great right now. When I feel like you're abandoning me, you're not doing anything for me, but I know you're still worthy of worship. That goes back to the other song. We looked at yet you are holy. Okay, so we have to do that. If you're in despair, sometimes it's good to visit those psalms of praise. And again, just tell the Lord, I'm not feeling this, but I know you're worthy of worship. Change my heart. Help me to say these words boldly and with enthusiasm. And then force yourself to sit down and actually say them. Say them out loud to engage your body in worship. You know, that's lifting up of the hands and actually crying out to him. This is not just some passive activity. Engage your body. Um, again, we can get to that later in another episode, perhaps. So the reason I bring up Psalm 103 again is because in this boldness with the Lord, we have the right to say, God, everything is garbage. I don't know what's going on. It feels like you've abandoned me. Sometimes we just stop there because we are just literally at rock bottom, it feels like. And then as the Lord helps us and sustains us and continues to make us more like himself, we can say, it feels like you're still forsaking me. Yet, God, I know you're still holy. And as it's as things continue to go on, and he's refines us and I have no timetable for how long you know this these things go on for of course but we also have Psalm 103 where we're preaching to ourselves so it's good to preach this stuff to yourself um, to remind yourself despite how things are terrible sometimes 
seemingly terrible. All things are all things come from our loving Father, who is making everything to make us more conform to Christ's image. We can be certain uh, that it is for good, so we should therefore be preaching to ourselves to remind ourselves of those truths. So I hope, I hope this brief overview of you know just reminders of we are in Christ because we are in Christ. And it's, and it's in Christ that all things are moving, was all things are moving to Christ. Everything is being summed up in him as Romans 11, Ephesians and Colossians talks about. So as we know the truth of everything moving to Christ being summed up in Christ, and then if we are in Christ and all scripture moves to Christ, then we who are actually in him have these words from scripture that we can use boldly and we should use boldly because we're called to pray without ceasing. We're call, called to give thanks in everything. Uh, we're called to boldly approach His throne of grace. So use the Psalms. They are yours in Christ if you're a believer. Boldly pray them. And those of you who may not be believers who are listening to this, I call you to repentance and submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ because in Him there is forgiveness. Um, Christ satisfied the wrath of God for all those who would put their faith in Him. Praise the Lord for that. So all who call upon the Lord will be saved. Call upon Christ. Submit yourself to Him. Repent of your sins. Um, because there is salvation in Christ, and he will have total, ultimate, realized victory over his enemies at the end. So while there's still time, call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, those of you who are not believers. So I do pray this, that God will use this discussion um, to help continue to teach you, believer, that in Christ you do have bold access to him, and the Psalms are great prayers for you to use in your walk to get closer to Christ and then maybe particularly any difficult situation you face or maybe not difficult situation you just want to praise the Lord praise the Lord and talk to him those words are yours as well in him thank you for joining me on this episode of the beholding Christ podcast feel free to share this with your friends your family And always, I welcome your prayers that the Lord would magnify his name through this and that the saints would be edified and made more into the image of Christ as we discuss his word together. God bless.